In many black and brown communities, estate planning was not something we talked about as we were growing up. I mean, in my family, estate planning was never a topic of conversation at the dinner table. None of my friends' families were talking about it either, but my generation, Gen Xers, are talking about it. I started talking about it with my son when he was about 14. Some people say that a teenager isn't interested in such talk. I say you're wrong. We had in-depth conversations and my son was all for it. I don't know about you, but the only time people in my family spoke about anything related to an estate was who has insurance to cover the funeral. That's sad. Well, as an entrepreneur, a mogul, if you will, I want to make sure my assets are protected, but also that my son is knowledgeable about my assets and set to inherit them without a bunch of foolishness when I die. And don't think estate planning needs to be a morbid conversation that's left until you absolutely have to talk about it. Today, my guest and I will be talking about how to have the tough conversations and set your family up for an easy transition. But first, ask yourself two questions. What happens if I die tomorrow and my family is caught off guard? And what should my estate plan look like? Welcome back to another episode of Mogul Chicks Chat. I'm your host, Adrienne Graham. I'm the CEO and proud founder of Mogul Chicks LLC, and that's Chicks with an X. I am a serial entrepreneur and a self-made businesswoman who is a strategic business growth advisor, published author, mentor, and investor. We help female founders of color grow and scale profitable job-creating companies and eventually get their company's investment ready. We also help groom them into dynamic leaders and CEOs and build legacy wealth in the process. Mogul Chicks is a mindset, a way of life, if you will, and a blueprint for female founders who want to build a legacy of wealth and a generational business empire. We provide strategic business growth solutions and a platform for resources, mentoring, networks, and education. Our mission is to take your company from flat to profit generating, to job creating, to investment ready. My personal mission is to help you build and run a better company, reimagine the way you do business, and build lasting wealth. Oh, and before I forget, be sure to tag at MogulChicks using the hashtag MogulChicksChat on social media. Make sure you rate the show and leave a comment. It helps people find us. Share the love, share the love. Today's topic is estate planning for women of color, and my special guest is Carmen Rosas, and let me tell you a little bit about her. Hoop-wearing, award-winning, and stereotype-defying attorney Carmen Rosas is on a mission to help women chase and secure that bag. Drawing on more than 10 years of experience in estate planning, Carmen equips women to protect themselves and their families by protecting their assets, and she's doing it all in style. This is such an important in a conversation that we need to have, because a lot of times we get into one of two camps, one that, oh, we don't have to worry about estate planning. We're not going anywhere. We're, you know, we don't make enough money to do that. And the other side of that is when we do make the money, it's like, 
okay, do we really need to have that conversation? Who do we talk to? How do we get that set up? So I think there's a gap in information for women, especially women of color, because we're not traditionally raised with estate planning and financial planning and our backgrounds and our upbringings. And I'm not afraid to say that I didn't even get into investing until I was in my thirties. So my family didn't, it was go to school. Don't worry about adult stuff. You'll talk about that some other time. And my parents never taught us that. So we're left kind of at a deficit, whereas our white counterparts, uh, Mm -hmm. let's just be real talk. Mm -hmm. They're they're raised and groomed with this knowledge, but we're not. But luckily, we have people like Carmen who can demystify that for us. And she's going to tell you a little bit about all the stuff she has going on. But she's going to give some crucial information about what you need to do as a woman entrepreneur in, in getting your estate planning together. So thank you and welcome, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, Yes, estate planning is my jam. And it's actually funny. So I had no idea. I mean, I took one class in law school, right, about estate planning, but my family never talked about it, right? My grandma still saves her money in like a coffee can in the kitchen, right? She's from Mexico. And it's one of those things where you don't, and you don't ask about money. You don't talk about money. It's so taboo. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yes, there's so many so many people, especially, well, there's two, right? There's women and then people of color and being a woman of color, (laughs) you're kind of in this boat where it's just not talked about. And I love that there's this whole financial kind of independence conversation that's happening where women are becoming more and more aware of their finances, which is great. But like you said, well, what happens when, um, you start making the money, right. And you're investing, but how do you protect it so that it goes on to future generations or even just so that it's protected for like, you know, your kids, maybe just loved ones. Um, maybe you have a partner. So I will go into kind of estate planning and what it is, right. Because there's, there's kind of three different things that I get around estate planning, um, or I should say excuses. Mm Um, and they're not really excuses, right. It's just not having enough education or people out there talking about it. Because as you said, you know, estate planning is a very white male dominated uh, field. And so if you're not, and you're, you're not white and you're not male, (laughs) you probably have like never heard of this before. Um, And right. As people and women of color, right. The income gap, the wealth gap is so huge um, still um, that we don't know what it is, right. Our parents probably didn't know. And so the three things that I get a lot are One is I don't have an estate, like what, you know, it's an estate is, you know, it's, it's, you envision like Bridgerton or you think Downton Abbey or some like mansion, you know, King Mm -hmm. queen empire status. Right. Um, well, that's not the case, right. An estate is basically the things that you own. So your house, and I love it because, you know, I'm in Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. um, and people are like, oh, I just have my house. It's just a little house. Well, the house is worth over $1.5 million. It's not that little. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the probate threshold, right? So if you don't have an estate plan or you have no planning in place, the default is that it goes to probate court, which means that, and I'm going to, you know, I'm so this is going to be a lot of information, but I am doing a workshop where we'll dive deeper just into estate planning and what all of that means and how we can use the tools, um, on November 11th. And I'll give that information to, um, to you so you can share it with the listeners. Um, but, um, so estate, an estate is not as big as you think. It's just what you own. If you're over the age of 18, 
Um, so this is point number two, right? If you're over the age of 18, you need to have an estate plan. People think, oh, I'm too young. I'm not, you know, nobody wants to talk about dying. Um, and so when we think we have all the time in the world, but the truth is we don't know what will happen tomorrow. And as cliche as it sounds, tomorrow isn't guaranteed. It is true. You know, if we woke up this morning breathing, we are blessed compared to some people who didn't make it through the night, right? Um, you can get into a car accident. You can get hit by a car. You can have a heart attack you don't know what can happen within the next like second, let alone tomorrow. And so, um, it's never too early to start. Um, so, um, starting now is ideal. If you're over the age of 18, go out and get an estate plan. And then the other part is, um, oh, it's too expensive mm -hmm. that an estate plan is really expensive. And there's so many options out there, right? Like I'm an attorney, so I'm not a huge fan of DIY, but I always say something is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, there's like legal zoom, right? There's Susie Orman. There's lots of white, white company owned, uh, white owned companies that provide these, you know, legal services. I actually do have a DIY option, um, for people because I understand that I, you know, I do want to make it affordable. Right. And as we were talking earlier, um, about empower yourself, um, I want legal service to be affordable for people. And so I actually do have a DIY option, but having something in place is better than nothing. And to be honest, if you look at the cost of probate, so the cost of not having something in place is 5% of the fair market value. So that's basically what the government can sell all of your stuff for. They don't care about debts. They don't care about how much you own, owe on your mortgage. They don't care if you have credit cards, none of that. They want to know what they can sell it for. And then your estate gets to figure out how to pay the, those debts off <laughs> down the line. Um, and so those are kind of the big three reasons, right? Um, and that's if you even know what estate planning that it exists to protect your assets, right? So part of it is one, sharing the wealth and sharing the information that, hey, let's get an estate plan, getting that word into people's ears, especially in marginalized communities, right? Or within communities of color. Um, so letting them know that estate planning is a thing. Um, and then reasons why those three excuses don't even apply to anybody and then contacting an attorney so we can actually help you um, get those going. <laughs> right. I think the big fear for a lot of people is, well, first of all, estate, like you said, when you mentioned the word estate, it's like, oh my God, I don't have a lot of money. The other thing is attorney. Now, <laughs> you already know the old cliche is that an attorney is always going to cost you money coming or going. You're always going to have to pay some money. And I always tell people, especially my clients, that I'd rather invest the money now in legal counsel than to get in a situation where it's going to cost you even more later on. And I think that when you come from a background, like I, we were talking about earlier before the broadcast, where your family or your parents don't teach you about that, mm -hmm. everything is scary. Everything is, is kind of like, well, that's not for me. That's for white people or that's for men or mm -hmm. that's for, you know, I don't run the finances in my family, but let's, let's talk a little bit about what someone can do. If let's say they're just out of school, maybe they're just recently, recently married, maybe have a child or no children and you, they're just getting introduced to this word estate planning. Tell me what it is that they need to focus on in the very beginning when, when they have ground zero that they're starting from. Yeah. So that's a great question. And yeah, you know, as you mentioned, you know, if we don't know about it, right, we don't know what we don't know. Um, and attorney is right. I mean, growing up, right. My dad, I'm half Mexican and half white and growing up in my, you know, my Mexican side, um, you know, if you were talking to an attorney, it was probably a criminal law attorney <laughs> or mm -hmm. bankruptcy attorney, right? It's mm -hmm. you go to attorneys when things are just like, when, you know, stuff is hitting the fan, right? right. Not when you're in a good place, 
And that's the difference with, you know, our white counterparts and even in just building wealth is you contact an attorney as a preventative measure, right? So right. you're doing a preventative visit versus a, you know, like you're taking the vitamins versus having to take like the aspirin once the pain's kicked in. Right. Um, and so if you're first starting out, um, do some research, right? I mean, there's the Google rabbit hole <laughs> that is, you know, can take you and everybody then decides that maybe they're an attorney, um, but it's finding someone, you know, there's attorneys now, right? The way that we're marketing these days um, is everyone is on social media, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody, there's attorneys everywhere. So it's looking at, you know, estate planning attorney on um, Instagram, right? Like I have an Instagram mm -hmm. um, where I post information, right? I have a blog or I have, um, and I have a podcast, right? Where we share information about what estate planning is without you actually having to like have a relationship or do a call with them because that's scary, right? You're like, okay, I can go to this website and I can look and I can browse, um, to get a better understanding of what it is I need or the documents and how they work. But then the next step would be actually contacting the attorney. Um, so just get some information. So you're comfortable with terminology and there's so much out there, um, around like, what is a trust? What is a will? What is a power of attorney? Right. And these are all different documents that are within an estate plan. And so if you're just starting out say you're 18 or say you're newly married, maybe you don't own a house. You don't actually have a lot. You don't need a full estate plan. And so what an estate plan is, right. Is a collection of documents. Um, it's not just one. Like I think sometimes people confuse a living trust and a will being the same thing as an estate plan. But what I like to say is the estate plan is basically the binder that holds all of these individual documents within it, right? So you'll have a living trust, a will, a healthcare directive and power of attorney. And the other part is it's not just about your stuff, right? If you have a healthcare directive um, or even financial power of attorney, those documents come into place when you're incapacitated. So you don't even have to be dead to have estate planning documents, right? That will actually work. The healthcare directive allows somebody to make medical decisions for you. Um, and sometimes if there's like religion, uh, religious, um, you know, things where like say a blood transfusion, right? There's some religions where don't, they don't want blood transfusions, having someone make that decision for you. Um, that's going to honor those decisions and your wishes and your, you know, whatever it is that you believe in. Um, and so it goes even beyond just the financial parts of it. It goes even into who's going to take care of your body and continue when you can't make those decisions. Right. Absolutely. Well, I will have, you know, that I do have an advanced directive and I Yay. do have a will. <laughs> so those are things that I had established early on because I, you know, I have a son, I had mm -hmm. to do it, but um, yeah, a lot of people don't do that. We don't understand those documents are very important. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, you talked about what's included in an in estate plan. Tell me what someone can expect when they set up an appointment with you and say, Hey, well, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to set this up. And they're looking to do their first estate planning appointment with you. What are some of the things that they should keep in mind when they, whether they're coming to see you or another attorney, what should they be prepared to one, bring with them to talk about and three, what are some questions they should ask their attorney? Ooh, I love this. Okay. So if you're preparing for, I'm going to use my office, right. And how we work. If you're preparing for your first meeting, right. We do send a questionnaire in advance, right. Because we want you to start thinking about things and not just kind of be put on the spot. Um, so you'll get like financial stuff together, right. What bank accounts, if you have a mortgage, if you have a deed. So basically all of your assets, you'll get that all together. Um, if you don't have like everything spread out, sometimes just your tax returns are good enough, right. You can bring those in and we can kind of sort through it. Um, 
names and addresses of key players. So these key players that I'm talking about are people who will actually thinking about who will make these decisions on your behalf, right? If you have children, um, who's going to make those decisions or who's going to actually be the guardian, right? Who's going to take care of your children when you are no longer available or you're incapacitated? Um, who's going to make those medical decisions? Will the same person that's managing your finances now or when you're incapacitated be the same person that will manage it long-term when you pass away? Do you want that person to also be the guardian of your child's money? Um, so there's so many, they can all be like the same person, um, or they can be different people, right? And so it's trying to figure that out. The other part, especially with guardians, right? You said you have a son and I have a daughter. And so with guardians, right? And this is probably when my my moms get the most emotional, right? When they think about, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna be here for my my child. Like they don't even, and that I think is a huge part of why, you know, moms sometimes don't wanna even talk about it, right? Because we do have to think about not being here for our kids, um, but it's picking the guardian, right? Because you're like, well, I wanna be here for my kid forever. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> that is not the case. And sometimes, you know, if it's your time, it's sooner rather than later, right? We always hope that, you know, we all have lo long, you know, beautiful lives, but sometimes that's not the case. And so if your child is a minor, um, who are they gonna stay with? And so there's an exercise that I will go through with parents. If they're like, I don't know, we're just kind of stuck on the fence or they can't come to an agreement or, you know, moms come in, you know, have some single moms who come in and they're like, I don't know. Like I, you know, I don't know who I'm going to have um, in California. Well, most States um, automatically the biological parent would be the next. Um, so say if you're separated, you know um, if you have a great relationship with the other bio parent, fabulous. However, there are times where the other bio parent may not be, adequate to, um, or capable of taking care of the child. Maybe they're a drug user. Maybe they're, you've had issues of domestic violence. Maybe they're negligent. They don't have a stable home, whatever it is, narcissist, right? We can, we can get into so, so many things, but if that partner is not, um, capable of taking care of the child, then you build your case ahead of time. So the person that you pick as your guardian will then be able to take it to the judge and say, Hey, he's not, you know, here, I guess she is not capable and able to care for this child based on these reasons, you know, maybe they haven't seen the kid for like five years. Um, they're going to, you know, they, you don't want them to uproot it. You want what's in the best interest of your child. So guardianship tends to be a huge thing to, that we really dive into if they don't have anyone or they don't know. Um, and one key tip I will say, if you're looking for a guardian or you're trying to decide is if you prepare yourself financially, right, whether it's life insurance, it's investments, and you're building that wealth, then you don't need to look at wealth when it comes to picking the guardian. And instead I look at core values and how you want your child to be raised um, rather than the financial aspect. Great. So let me ask you this. So should you make it a practice to bring your children with you? I know a lot of parents don't want to involve their children in the process. Um, or do you think it would be depending on the age of the child? Like for me, for example, my son is 30. So mm -hmm. everything I do, I include him on. And as a matter of fact, it's a funny story. The other day I called him and I said, Hey, if something happened to me, would you know where to get all of my documents? Would you know how to get to my passwords or anything like that? And the first thing out of his mouth was, is something wrong? Is <laughs> something wrong, mom? You, do you something you need? So I was like, no, 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 no. It's just something I was thinking about. And I knew we were going to have this conversation. And it's just something I was thinking about. So like my 30-year-old, I would say, hey, come with me to my attorney. Let's, you know, so you know where everything is. Whereas if he was 12, that's not 
in the meeting that I would bring him in, but do you recommend for parents to bring their children in to be part of the process? So it depends. Um, I will say that you can bring in, say, a 30-year-old child. Right? I have a lot of clients whose children come in who actually will book the first appointment because they're like, my parent needs to get this done. And so you can come, you know, he can come in with you. We'll have a conversation. And then at some point, though, during the meeting, I will say, I'm going to have to ask you to leave just so you and I can have a conversation, right? Because unfortunately, um, and this is a whole other topic, is the situation of like, um, elder financial abuse, right? Where as parents are aging, sometimes children become a little bit more desperate and they're like, just give me all of it. And they're disowning their siblings. And so not to say that that's the case in all of it, but I also want to know that the client that I'm working with is not under duress, right? Is not being coerced to make certain decisions, right? If it's say, you know, if he's an only child or if it's being an equal split, there's less concern, but it's also just checking in and say, Hey, just want to make sure, um, that, reminding you that you're my client and that these things are what you actually want and that you're not feeling bullied or coerced into making those decisions. But right. it's always a great idea when the children know what's going on and where to find the documents. It's helpful for us, um, especially if we've met them. And then when something happens to the client, then we already know who we're dealing with. Right now, just it, it, this is kind of tongue in cheek, but it's really, it's a, a legitimate question. If you are a high net worth client, let's say that, is it advisable to have your children know about your net worth? Or is that something that the attorney, it can be client attorney privilege on? Can absolutely be attorney client privilege. Um, you, yeah, your, your child does not need to know what they're getting. Um, and that's part of it too, right? Is that, you know, maybe they'll pull the plug faster if they're, they know they're getting a couple million. <laughs> And so, you know, not letting them know ahead of time. And people ask, you know, clients ask, do I let them know what they're getting? And I'm like, it's really up to you. But at that point, and this is part of it, right? Because an estate plan can be changed as long as you have capacity. If you decide, hey, I'm going to do an equal split, but then down the line, you're like, hey, you know what? I'm only going to give one 30% and one to one 20% or whatever, you know, and then somebody else is going to get 50%. Um, then you don't have to worry about explaining, right? There's this like, oh, well, I, mom said I was getting this and now I'm getting this. Well, why did you change it? Why did you make her change it? And then it's just kind of a mess. And so I like to say, just keep it to yourself. Let them know where to find the documents if something happens, um, who to contact. Um, but keeping your info private sometimes is just better because then if you want to make changes, you don't have to. You're like, oh, well, I already told them. Well, who cares? Like, this is your life. Go and spend your money. Do what you want with it and then decide how you want it set up. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so so let's move into now. And I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know you have a very busy schedule, but let's move into like women who are entrepreneurs like us, like ourselves. And we're kind of so head deep into the work that we're doing and we're building companies and all this great stuff. And in some cases, some of us build more than one company. Yes. <laughs> at what point do you advise women like us to say, okay, it's time to step back, look at what you have and get your estate in order. So again, at any point, um, to be honest, like getting your estate plan done is super important. The other part though, right. Is, is unique to business owners is that you're running this business. You're putting your blood, sweat, and tears to get it off the ground. It's growing, it's scaling. You're doing amazing. 
And what happens if you become incapacitated? Are you running it as a sole prop? Are you running it as an LLC? Are you running it as a corporation? What do your operating and bylaws, you know, your operating agreement and bylaws say, who can manage your stuff? Who gets to be in charge of it? And so I like to create what we call a business succession plan um, or even an exit strategy, right? Like if you wanted to, and this is something that's great not only when you are, you know, if you pass away, but if you decide you want to remove yourself as like the main player in your company or your business and kind of bring in a team to function, giving them the authority. So it's like we create an estate plan for your life and then we have an estate plan for your business and basically cover all of that. Do you want the business sold? Do you want it to continue on? Um, is there a prospect that would purchase the, the business? Um, if it's a temporary incapacitation, who's going to keep paying the bills? Who's going to collect invoices? Do you have somebody that can talk to the bank already designated? Because you want to still keep getting that money in, even if you're sitting, you know, in a hospital room um, and making sure that all of that runs smoothly, but also making sure that your estate plan and your business plan go hand in hand. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I know a lot of women who will say, well, I'm not at that level yet, or it's just me, or I just, it's myself and maybe a marketing person or an assistant. So what you're saying is basically at any stage in your business, you can start estate planning for yourself and your business at that yeah. point. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. So I hope and you guys you know, hear that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and the thing is too, is that it's funny because people will talk about, oh, I'm protecting my business because they'll get a trademark, right? Or they'll do contracts. And I'm like, that's great. But what if you, the key person are no longer around, like your business will stop, right? Like I thought about the other day, I had to have a medical procedure and I was like, if I wasn't here, you know, and something went, you know, wrong, what would happen to my business? Like, how would that income continue getting to my family? How would it take care of my daughter? What would happen when, you know, I'm like, oh, it's, you know, a non-evasive, small, tiny procedure, no big deal. You know, the complications are like the risk is low, but I happen to be like the 0.01% making sure that all of it is protected. Right. Or even for example, for women who are moms, um, when I was asked, do you have an advanced healthcare director before I gave birth? Because the number of complications bringing human life into this world, you know, is significant and, um, you women have passed away, right. While uh, giving birth. And so having that plan in place ahead of time, um, I kind of went off of that, whether you're a business owner or not, but it's really comes down to, you don't know what's going to happen. And so people plan, Oh, how do I cover my, my, butt? how do I limit liability? But it's, how do you make sure that this business that you're working so hard for, even if you're in the beginning stages, um, but say you have a product, right. Or you have a lot of more passive income, making sure that that money is going to your family. And I think that's the key with estate planning, business planning. I like to call it legacy planning, right? Because it encompasses both you know, your business and your personal life and making sure that that planning is set up so that your family and future generations can benefit from it. Absolutely. Right. So talk a little bit about this book that you wrote and where people can get it. Yeah. So I wrote a book called the QBIC's guide to creating a legacy. So queen be in charge, Mm -hmm. um, guide to creating a legacy. It's on Amazon. Um, you can look it up under QBIC's guide to creating a legacy, or if you just type in my name, Carmen Rosas, I think it comes up. Uh, (laughs) I'm not even sure. Um, but what it is, is, is based on essentially a seven week coaching program that I created. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's the first six weeks talk about, um, how do you want to live your life? And so quick backstory, when I was turning 30, 
I was already had my business open. I was a year into it creating, you know, estate plans. And I was like, is this my life? Like, am I going to be just creating documents for the rest of my life? And I just wasn't in a good space. Right. I was like, checked all the boxes, was in a long-term relationship. And I was like, well, what's next? Six months later, found out I was pregnant, not planned. And I was like, no, like I'm starting a business. I don't have time for this. Two babies. Like, right, this is God, higher being, whatever. This is the plan. Their plan is big, bigger and greater than mine. So let's go with it. Um, but I started thinking about, and right, being in the, the business of death, um, I thought about what happens if I die. If I die, what will people tell my daughter? Um, and how am I showing up in life? And am I, sh- am I showing up as my best and highest self? And so um, I had that turning point, you know, 30, I'm like, okay, let's do this. Did a huge deep dive into personal development, spirituality. And, um, you know, I think it was probably like five years later, ended up coming up with this book that ba- birthed based on my experiences. And so the first six weeks of this book, there's exercises. It's very quick and easy just to really get your mind thinking was, and so you start at getting to know yourself, right? Like, who are you before the world told you who to be? Like, who are you at your core? And we go over, we go through that. We go through, um, how do you want to be remembered? We do an obituary exercise where you write your obituary. Um, if you were to die today, what does that, what would that look like? Not what you want it to say right? Like based on your achievements and how you've lived your life and how you're showing up, what does that look like? And then we do kind of like some searching right around your goals and how you want to be remembered and mm-hmm. all of those things. Um, and so we do that kind of, it's an internal exploration, right. And figuring out how you want to be remembered, the eulogy, all the things that people will say if you've passed and they're in a room and they're talking about you. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, you know, part of it was like, I didn't want my daughter to be like, Oh, mommy works all the time. Like I never get to see her. Um, you know, that's what they were, that she remembers about me. So I'm like, okay, we need to start, you know, rethinking and being more intentional with our life, intentional with all our time. So that's essentially the first, probably three weeks. Then the middle three weeks are, um, looking at your finances. What are your financial goals? Are you budgeting? What is your money story? Because as women and people of color, we have these money, money is hard to get, right? You have to work hard. Um, but it's not true, right? Like the, the wealthiest of wealthy people, they do what they love. They're, you know, exercising in the morning, they do all the self-care and that's just what we were taught because we had like, as you know, people of color, we had to work extra hard to get the same thing, right? There's the income gap, right? There's the, you know, I think it was just a couple of days ago, it was like Latina equal payday. And it's, you know, we earn so much less than our white male counterparts that we have to work harder to be equal to what they get. And so it's looking at that story and just kind of shifting some of that or money doesn't grow on trees. Right. And so we look at the financial aspects and what are your goals? Like, do you want to buy a home? Do you, you know, and because part of the estate part, right, is that I don't have a lot. And so some people are embarrassed that they haven't reached the financial goals because maybe they're sitting in student debt or they made really poor financial decisions and they have tons of credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they don't take the next step to preserving what they do have. Right. And then in the final week, we talk about estate planning um, and we get in, we go, we do a deep dive into what those documents are, how they can help you. And then I also include um, a sample of my questionnaire um, that people can use to start collecting their assets and getting their information together. Um, so they can, they're ready to go in and to meet with an attorney. So it's a primer, um, for clients essentially. <laughs> okay. And do you work with just the state of California or do you work 
across the nation? So I, my office works only in the state of California for the one-on-one DIY option is throughout the country. So it does, so people can purchase the DIY. And then I have a network of attorneys that I love, um, that I can refer to for one on if they need, they want more like individualized. Um, so Mm -hmm. I have a network of attorneys. So either way people can reach out to us and we can get them connected with someone. Right. And and just for the audience, I know I have an intelligent audience, but I have to say this anyway. When she says DIY, it doesn't mean go on Google and start looking at documents. Yeah, no. and, okay. <laughs> because everything is state specific and you can't just you you know explain to them the DIY concept with your- Yes. Yes. So <laughs> DIY is do it yourself. Um, however, yes, you're correct. Everything is state specific. Um, there are lots of similarities. And so I have to do this disclaimer, right? This is not legal advice. This is not an attorney client privilege. And this is purely for information. Um, and I am only barred in California. So generally, you know, there's lots of similarities, but there are little tidbits that are specific to your state. And so even if you do a DIY, um, or do it yourself, say, you know, we'll just go with legal zoom. Uh, I roll my eyes because I've had to deal with so many issues with that. Right. But if you need to go for the more kind of affordable route and you go with legal zoom, you select your state. I highly recommend paying for the consultation for the attorney to review your documents only because it will save you so much time and headache down the road. If you can't, like if you absolutely cannot hire an estate planning attorney to do a draft for you, um, at minimum pay for their consult to get it reviewed. Um, if you like, I mean, I just want to say attorneys are becoming more, um, open to financing, right? There's payment plans. Like you do payment plans for, you know, gifts, credit card, put it on your credit card. Attorneys accept credit cards. So I don't want to hear that this is not available to you. And especially if, you know, you're spending money on who knows what you can allocate, start budgeting for it, um, to get something in place. Absolutely. And if you can buy those first class tickets, you can buy the Louboutins, (laughs) know that I'm guilty. You can afford an attorney. Okay. I think, and that's the thing, right. Is Uh depending on the state that you're in, depending on the attorney that you go to, it's Uh only, and I say only, right. Um, estate plans only range from about 2000 to about probably like 8,000, depending on your assets, depending on what state, obviously, you know, like, I mean, and some attorneys, right. For example, well, I will say, for example, right. Like our plans start at 5,000, but mm-hmm. we do more than just documents. We do a deeper dive and have some of the, con- the coaching and one-on-one stuff. So we get a little bit deeper than just legal documents. But if mm-hmm. you're looking just for plain legal documents, like you can get something for about $2,000 for a joint plan. If you're married with everything that you need. Um, mm-hmm. and that's probably less than a Louis, like I'm right. just saying, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I mean, I'm glad you put those numbers out there because I, I know one of the concerns that and, and even people that I know that make money is like, it's going to be too expensive. Mm-hmm. I look at it like this. And we said this earlier, how much is it going to cost you later on if you haven't had this done and you're left into the wild and now you have to figure it out or your family, if you're mm-hmm. gone, has to figure this out now that you're gone. So yeah. I think it, it, I look at it as an investment. I don't look yeah. at it as an expense. Um, so hopefully a lot of people who are listening to this podcast will, you know, pull up the big girl panties and go get them some estate planning going on. And I will say I'm wrapping up a probate Uh that has been going on for about five years. There was one brokerage account for $300,000. That was the size of the estate, right? $300,000, not a lot. 
mm-hmm. um, they're paying $20,000 in attorney court fees, um, which I'm happy to take. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I don't love probate, right? It's a pain in the butt. The clients get frustrated. The family's frustrated. And they're like, why don't we have money to, you know, continue paying? And, um, but yeah, $20,000. So if you think five, right, is expensive, think about, you know, and this is assuming you're, you have an estate that's more than 300,000, mm-hmm. um, then your, your yeah. family's going to be, be paying at minimum 20,000. So save them some money and headache and energy because it's even beyond the monetary. Right. It's simple math. I mean, do the math people. And then, and the other thing, and this is a lot of from, I grew up in New York in the Bronx, Mm. you know, half black, half Hispanic family. And their idea of estate planning was, well, we have life insurance in case they die, get paid for the funeral. Mm -hmm. That is not estate planning. So I, it's, it boggles the mind. You you don't know what you don't know. And when you grow Mm -hmm. up in a certain environment and it's not something that's talked about, you kind of can't be blamed that you don't know, but as you become right. an adult, it's up to you to start getting to circles and conversations and learning about this stuff. So yeah. and not just waiting until a tragedy happens. So well, the other part of this estate planning is, you know, I work, you know, we're in California. We have, I have lots of Spanish speaking Mexican clients and they're like, oh, my compadre is on the title of my house. And I'm like, dude, that means that if he dies, his kids get it. Like that means that nothing about your family, you know, or so-and-so's, you know, my, my Theo and my Thea, we added them on so that we're all five of us are on the title. And it's like, I understand why you did it. However, like it's going to be a hot mess when somebody passes away. And so making sure that all of those like ducks are lined up in a row and it's very clear and straightforward, but you're right. And then the other part is if you have a financial planner, because I'm hoping a lot of you are investing and, you know, you're on, you know, maybe it's Vanguard, Elevest, wherever you are investing, they have, you know, details about financial planning and estate planning has not popped up. You need a new financial advisor (laughs) because a financial advisor, you know, to be really providing the services for their clients need to let them know, Hey, you need to go protect your stuff. Right. Um, Yeah. You want to, you don't want to make it and then lose it. Mm-hmm. that's why I was like we're so busy chasing the bag right I was yes. like now we gotta secure it <laughs> exactly and that's what we're trying to do so one final thing her legacy now tell people about that I don't know if you were ready to talk about that but yeah. if you are bringing it out, I want people to know about this so her legacy now is my podcast it was formally called raising queens and the idea is just sharing information right women's stories, their trials and tribulations, because our legacy is what we're living out every day, right? It's not just about the documents or when we die, it's what we're creating now. And so her legacy now is just about women, like real women, real stories. And we're having conversations about, um, like things that happen in life. And so I think so many times women are going through things and they don't realize that they're not alone, that it's actually something common that, you know, whether it's like, you know, an eating disorder or they're getting into a ton of debt because they got through, they went through a divorce or they need to pivot and change their entire business and just burn it all up and start over. Um, and so it's just stories with real women is sharing kind of what they're doing in their life to create their legacy now. Um, and so that's on anchor Apple, uh, Spotify kind of everywhere and anywhere. Um, but yeah, (laughs) good, good. Make sure you guys check it out. So how can people reach you? Yeah. So you can check out your legacy protection firm.com, um, is the website. And then I am Carmen Rosa. So just, I am first and last name on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I think I'm on TikTok. I don't know. I don't use that, (laughs) but if you Google my name, Carmen Rosa's attorney, California, 
you will find me. Um, I have, and then even carmenrosas.com. So just first name, last name. Um, I'm on social media all the time. My website's out there. So yeah. Okay. Well, I have enjoyed this conversation and hopefully we'll have you back to talk about more. Right. And actually I will also put it in the comments. So if you're listening to this podcast as a replay, look down in the comments and you can see the links where you can connect with her and register for the workshop and listen to her podcast (laughs) and buy her book. (laughs) Thank you, Carmen, for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I'm Adrienne Graham, CEO and founder of Mogul Chicks, and this has been another Mogul Chicks chat. I want to help you build a better, more profitable company by providing strategic growth solutions, resources, mentoring, training, and access to capital. Make sure you check out the other episodes, and if you like what you hear, share the love. Pass the link on to your friends. You can find this podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Anchor, and of course, on the Mobile Chicks website. Make sure you subscribe. And if you subscribe and leave a comment on any or all of these channels, it helps other people find the podcast too. Sharing is caring. For more information about how we work with you to grow and scale your company, visit us online at mogulchicks.com. Send an email to contact at mogulchicks.com. Or you can connect with us all over social media at LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Pinterest, and everywhere else at Mogul Chicks. And that's Mogul Chicks with an X. And if you're not yet part of the Mogul Circle, if you're doing over a million dollars in revenue annually, or the Makers Club, if you're doing six figures in revenue annually, what are you waiting for? There's so much value in membership and the communities. Or if you prefer a good program or trying to move beyond startup phase, check out the Mogul Chicks Academy at mogulchicksacademy.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. Stay safe. Mogul Chicks are always a step ahead of the crowd and they're always closing deals. Remember, Mogul Chicks make mogul moves and power plays. Your move. Now go be profitable. Bye. Bye.